I'm called to order the city, uh, the township meeting for October 6th, 2020. Ask the clerk to please call the roll. Board member Bruno. Here. Foreman. Present. Gladney. Present. Kyles. Pianfetti. Here. Stock. Here. Beck. Here. Bricks. Here. Chairperson Finan. Here. Board member Stock. Yes, um, Chairperson Fine, and I move that we approve the minutes of the regular board meeting from September 1st, 2020. Second. Is there any discussion? Will the clerk please call the roll? Board member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Board member Foreman? I think Lightning. she's frozen. I think so. Board member Gladney? Yes. Pian Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Chairperson Finan? Yes. The minutes are approved by a 7 to 0. Um, and we, I think Councilmember Foreman, we lost. Um, do we have any correspondence? Madam Mayor, Chairperson Finan, she's back. Okay, good. Okay, seeing no correspondence, we have the summary of expenditures. Chairperson Fine and I move that we accept and place on file. Second. Is there any discussion? All those, in, uh, we can't do that. Well, clerk, please call the roll. Board member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. P and Fetty? Yes. Board member P and Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Chairperson Finan? Yes. Approved eight to zero. The next item on our agenda is the ordinance amending the annual budget, accepting the emergency funds. Um, I guess we need a motion and then I'll let the um, supervisor speak to that. Uh, I move that we approve ordinance number 2020-1001. Second. Okay. Um, supervisor, do you want to speak to that? So this ordinance actually um, does two things. It um, amends the budget for the emergency, uh, emergency solutions grant that we applied for. It also allows me to accept the grant because it's over uh, the $20,000 threshold. Um, so the emergency solutions grants a grant that provides us the opportunity to uh, provide assistance uh, to two primary categories, those that are homeless in our community and those that are fleeing domestic violence. And that's uh, solely what that money is for. Uh, the amount is $25,675. Uh, 25,000 of that goes towards um, actual programming. So 25,000 is going towards um, ensuring that um, those that are that are fleeing domestic violence and those that are homeless in our community receive assistance for housing. The 675 um, are basic administrative costs. So uh, that in essence is what that ordinance states. The report to town board summarizes that. And then of course the exhibit is the uh, the actual line items of which the money will be going into and coming out of. 
Are there any technical questions? Does anyone in the audience wish to address this town board issue? Madam Chair, I don't see any hands raised. Are there any council com or town board member comments? I see none. Will the clerk please call the roll? Board member Bruno? Yes. Orman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Chairperson Finan? Yes, the ordinance is approved eight to zero. Chairperson Finan, I move that we accept uh, or approve rather ordinance 2020-1002. Second. Uh, Supervisor Kornstrom, do you wish to speak to this one as well? Yeah, one is, um, as you re may remember, uh, the township was dedicated uh, subrecipient status with the City of Champaign's Community Development Block Grant. And so uh, essentially that provides the township with $50,000 uh, to assist in housing related needs for those that have been affected by COVID-19. Uh, this allows us to provide not only rental assistance, but uh, at, at, the, at the city council's uh, recommendation, also mortgage assistance. And, and so this does not need, um, this just needs the budget amendment because you as a group uh, sitting as a city council already approved the subrecipient status of it. So uh, just the Okay, any technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this township matter? Madam Chair, I see no hands raised. Any town board comments? Clerk, please call the mm -hmm. roll. Board member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Study? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Chairperson yes. Finan? Yes. Ordinance passes eight to zero. Uh, Chairperson Finan, I assume we have no audience participation. Well, we I think we have one more ordinance. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought we did all three. Sorry, um, I move that we approve ordinance number 2020-1003. Second. Uh, Supervisor Kornstrom. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, we were fortunate enough to receive this grant uh, from the Mayor's Initiative Project um, that assists us with um, our partnership that we formed with the CU Farms, Carl, um, and a few other agencies to effectively provide a mobile market for produce uh, within the City of Champaign um, over the last few months that will then extend moving forward into next year. And um, I know four minutes seen it to the market goes out uh, to various locations in the community, provides fresh uh, vegetables, as well as the opportunity for residents to get health care with Carl's Mobile Clinic. That $10,000 grant went towards um, decorating the bus, if you will, signage, um, designing the bus so that it is effective, especially post-COVID when individuals can go on the bus, we'll have shelving, we'll have aspects of the bus that'll really make it a mobile market. Uh, in the meantime, though, that grant um, was initiated by the township 
and uh, we were approved. It was one of uh, only a few approvals uh, nationwide. And so we're really excited about it. It's not a large dollar. It goes toward really unique, has already shown um, its success and, and um, a great partnership with both public and private entities. Okay, are there any, any technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this? Madam Mayor, I see no hands. Madam Chair, I see no hands. <laughs> any council comment, township board comment? Uh, Councilmember Foreman. Um, I just wanna say, I, I was able to go to the mobile market at several different locations. And um, on Manus, they had um, FedEx and different places there doing hiring. And it was just, you drive up in your car, you fill out the application, um, you can park, you can pay, as, pay what you can for the vegetables. And, um, you know, you can stop at Carl. But what was also interesting is that Prosperity Gardens, um, we have found out that there were some small daycare centers that worked with essential workers. And Nicole was able to give her leftover produce to some of those small centers and stuff, along with daily, uh, the daily soup kitchen and stuff like that. So um, the project is really good. And the amount of people that I saw there going, um, it was really cool. And I, I hope um, if you guys get a chance to go, maybe maybe when it's not so chilly, it's not, it wasn't, wasn't as cold when I went, but um, it was really cool to see all the people out there. And you saw people from all, like I saw people from all walks of life um, stopping at uh, Mattis and stopping at the Love Corner location. So definitely if you get a chance to go out there, I think you'd be really impressed. But good job, um, Township Supervisor. As you know, always, I think everything you do is supportive, including, you know, getting the money for the rental assistance and mortgage assistance. Everything you do really, you know, helps people in the community. And I can't praise you enough. I'm sure you're tired of hearing it. But nonetheless, thank you very much. Town board member Pianfetti. I also wanted to um, say that I, I've been following this very closely as well um, for a lot of different reasons. And, and along with the comments that um, town member um, Foreman said, um, the fact that there was a lot that was done in um, multiple languages was also a benefit to um, some of the members that were utilizing the mobile markets. And a lot of the comments that I have heard about this um, specifically spoke to the fact that it was also addressing the needs for people that didn't always speak English as a first language. So I wanted to um, make sure to point that out, that it was also um, accommodating um, various parts of the community that often um, don't see this as, as the primary focus. So to add to the comments um, that were already said, um, well done with this because I think it is is broadly impacting our community. So thank you for that. Anyone else? I just, um, it, without without um, saying the township certainly deserves a lot of credit for this. I wanna also though highlight the community partners, CU City Farms, um, you know, stepped up and helped with the grant application as well. Um, it fit nicely with the work that they are doing. And Carl certainly coming in as a community partner made a difference. I think that um, those partnerships are really one of the factors that helped to get, get this grant. And um, I think that it's, it's a great way to showcase what we're capable of here in this community. So will the, oh, Andy, did you want to add something? A small portion of um, this big project. And, um, you know, we were able to apply and we 
we received the grant, but uh, as you noted, CU Farms um, and Carl, um, you know, really spearheaded a lot of this. And I think it's also really unique to note that we um, we man the market one day a week with our CU at work uh, employees. And so individuals who have been working at the farm and actually provide the produce to the people in the community that are underserved. And that has been um, really powerful for them. And I think for the people too, that have been able to receive the, the vegetables. So it's a great project all around. We're quite frankly, just, um, you know, we're, we're just a, a part of the process, but um, thank you all for the kind words. And I do encourage you to go out, um, especially next spring when there's really great uh, produce. All right, will the clerk please call the roll? Board member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Chairperson Finan? Yes. The ordinance passes eight to zero. We're now at the point of audience participation on township matters. If anyone wants to address us sitting as town board, um, please raise your hand. Madam Chair, I see no hands raised. Are there any um, town board member comments? I see no one. Supervisor, did you have any additional comments? I don't, Your Honor. Okay, so our next meeting is November 10th, 2020, and I just need a motion to adjourn. Chairperson Fine, and I move that we adjourn. Second. Will the clerk please call the roll? Board member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Chairperson Finan? Yes. We are adjourned into the regular city council meeting for October 6th, uh, 2020. I call this meeting to order and I invite you all to join me um, in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Will the clerk please call the roll? Council member Bruno? Present. Foreman? Present. Gladney? Present. Kyle? Fianfetti? Here. Stock? Here. Beck? Here. Bricks? Here. Mayor Finan? Here. I don't believe we have any special recognition. We have the minutes from two different council meetings. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes of June 23rd, regular study session and August 4th, regular council meeting. Second. Is there any discussion or comment? Seeing none, will the clerk please call the roll? Council member Bruno. Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. P and Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. The minutes are approved by an eight to zero vote. Will the will you please call the first council bill? Mayor Finan, we do have correspondence. Oh. 
I am sorry. Please, please do that. We've received correspondence from Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Koprowski of uh, Transcendent Media uh, regarding a proposal for discussion at a city council meeting uh, to create a nonprofit corporation to take over the operation of the art theater in collaboration with the library board and received an email from Emily Close Champagne regarding the Human Relations Commission's cancellation of meetings and member appointments to the HRC and the Citizen, Citizens Review Subcommittee. We need a motion to accept. Working on it. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Madam Mayor, I move that we accept and place some file, please. Second. Uh, any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Or oh, I'm sorry, clerk, please call the roll. We can't do it the normal way. Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. Item passes eight to zero. We please call the first bill. <clears throat> Council Bill number 2020-95, an ordinance amending the zoning map of the city of Champaign to rezone the property at 501 North 5th Street, 504 North 4th Street, and 406 East Washington Street from the SF1 single family zoning district to the CI commercial industrial zoning district. So moved. Second. The purpose of this council bill is to approve a zoning map amendment commonly known as rezoning of three parcels located at 501 North 5th Street, 504 North 4th Street, and 406 East Washington Street from single family SF1, single family zoning district to the CI commercial industrial zoning district. Are there any technical questions? Councilmember Bricks. Um, I think this question is probably for Bruce. Is it possible, can we just refer this plat back to the planning department to, to sort of modify the agreement to either find some sort of compromise or to find a different use, um, whether it's just straight commercial or until, you know, to figure out what the best zoning is for that particular piece of property? So I think the the best thing would probably be to, you know, vote it up or down and then, um, you know, direct staff to to work with the applicant on uh, a new proposal that uh, that would be more acceptable uh, rather than leaving this one hanging in limbo uh, and and uh, not answering, you know, what its status is. I, th I thought we had directed staff um, to do that if this failed tonight at our study session anyway. Yeah, I, I, that's correct, Mayor. I think you did in fact do that at, at the study session. Okay, I just wanted to be sure. Thanks. Are there any other technical questions? Councilmember Stock? Just a process question. So if we vote this down, um, does that mean that the contract is null and void? or does it kick back the staff, but the contract is still dangling in the air with the option for the applicant? 
or does this put the does this put the lot back in the city's hands? Carrie, you can respond to that question. Okay, thanks, uh, Councilmember Stock. The way the contract is written currently, um, it is requires that the zoning change occur by December. Um, 12th, 2020, if that does not happen, then the lot reverts back to the city. That's how the contract is currently written. So what I would add, oh, I apologize, my video was off. What I would add is that we have the ability to amend the agreement. So not knowing what the vote will be tonight based on study session direction, in the event that the rezoning is not approved, our next step would be to contact Mr. Fasella and explore whether he would be interested in an amendment to the mm -hmm. agreement that would extend it to allow time to explore some other use or some other zoning option. But at the present time, Carrie is correct. It would require an amendment to the agreement and we would have to contact Mr. Fasella since he's party to the agreement. And then follow up that has nothing to do with this particular parcel, but um, Dorothy or Carrie, either one, um, do we have a, do we still have a study session coming up about our lot disposition process or has that been kicked ahead based on other things? So we still have plans to do a study session on property disposition and lot disposition. Um, we had planned to do it this fall but um, there are a couple of things that have kind of layered on top of it. One being this most recent study session conversation, but also the evaluation of the budget process and whether or not we want to consider different options for different types of property. So we probably will still have that conversation before the end of this calendar year or very early next year. But I'd like to make sure that we have a complete um, inventory and perhaps come to council with um, a status of the current lot disposition program, but perhaps um, considering some of these other factors and things that we may recommend. Okay, thank you. Anyone else have technical? Councilmember Foreman. Um, my question is for Bruce. So Bruce, is there any way that, um, and I guess since, since, I guess based on what staff said just a second ago, that if we can modify the contract, is there any way we can talk to the applicant about working with the neighbors who were immediately adjacent, um, who kind of, you know, had questions about the disposition of the property? Is there any way that that could be included in the conversation? Certainly, we can always encourage that they work with the neighbors. I think we've we've successfully done that in, in other cases. Uh, Latitude, I think, was mentioned at the study session as a case where, you know, the developer actually completely redesigned their project based on neighborhood input. So. We'd, we'd uh, be happy to, uh, to try and facilitate that conversation. Would staff, would, would, would it at all be possible for, even though we're talking about the same lot, is, and I'm probably not saying this right, but is spot zoning possible? Well, spot zoning is technically illegal, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't do spot zoning, but can we justify a different zoning for this property? Certainly, I think that's possible. And it'd be a, a matter of, of, you know, working through uh, what's the most appropriate zoning and, and the LaSalle criteria and the plan for development. And I guess what my question is, because um, I know maybe if, if, the, if the proposed warehouse wasn't, you know, say it was 5,000 square feet and there was something left over with that property, would there be any way for 
the applicant to change that zoning so that it could, you know, fit in with some neighborhood uh, maybe requests along with maybe maybe reducing the size of that building, but not necessarily industrial. If that makes sense, you can ask me to clarify if it doesn't. Yeah, you know, I, I think if I understand the question, um, you know, from a staff perspective, uh, a anything that borders on an industrial use in this area with, you know, otherwise complete residential land use uh, would be hard to justify from the standpoint of the LaSalle criteria. But there are other uses that, you know, if, if the argument is that single family can't work, work on this lot, then there are, are uh, a range of other choices that are possible and, and we just have to try and work through those with the applicant. So it could be something built in maybe neighborhood commercial that isn't industrial because it might meet the correct, you said lifestyle criteria, which I'm not going to ask you to break it down, but. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, that um, you know, we just, we just need to sit down and try and talk through what's possible and, and what it would look like and, and then apply the LaSalle criteria and, and see if it, it works. Okay, any other technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this issue, please raise your hand and Councilmember Bruno will call on you. Uh, Madam Mayor, I see Phil Fasella's hand raised. I'll turn his microphone on. Please state your name and city of residence. Phil Fasella, um, Champaign, Illinois. Uh, I, um, I started with this project two years ago with the immediate aim of solving a problem for the <coughs> family and for their estate attorney, Bill Hatch, to whom I owe many favors um, over the years. The secondary aim, of course, was to find a practical, economical, and uplifting use for an otherwise wasted nuisance parcel near several of the homes which I owned already. The use that I proposed for the site was developed and refined with the intent of ameliorating concerns that the neighbors had expressed as the project was discussed and the concept was developed at the Fifth and Hill neighborhood meetings. This is an attempt to find a practical, buildable solution that is not retail. That being said, I'm eminently flexible. Um, you could remand this back to the planning department. We could con consider alternative uses or zonings. I would be willing to try to develop a conforming project under neighborhood commercial with an int less intensive use, like a grocery store. We could also branch off the CN zoning and try to use a special use in that district, which may be more compatible with this project than a special, special use under uh, single family residential would be uh, with the way the zoning ordinance is written. I would be open to a special use permit that required additional or specific screening, a reasonable limit on the square footage of the buildings on the property, additional restrictions on the height of lighting or other requirements. Um, I feel as though if you've gone around the neighborhood and spoken with people door to door as I have, you'll generally find neighbors who are very supportive of doing something both constructive and unobtrusive with the property. Very few people who live here think that this can practically be used as a home site. And very few of them are excited about leaving it as it is, a vacant lot. Um, if the main obstruction is simply that the neighbors would like to own the property, I understand that. I wasn't happy with how things went with the RFP process myself. And I would be willing to, if we could come to a compromise to rezone the entire property, um, I'd be willing to sell them lot seven, which lies directly across the alley behind their property. Uh, 
for what we have in it, just contingent on them going and helping us get the zoning that we need. Um, but I would request that we not send this back through the RFP process and that you at least modify the agreement that we have with the city in order to give us time to find a solution. Transferring property takes time, money, and resources from the legal department, as well as from our own organization and from the public works department, which has to get this back on their mowing RFP and all of the complication associated with that. I think everybody would appreciate a good faith effort to find a solution without making this a more complicated process than it has been already. I would also encourage you to include um, Latif Khan's former commercial properties across the railroad tracks to the south from my own, as well as Ameren, Illinois' property on the other side of Fifth Street. I think, um, you know, you could use this as an opportunity to solve several of the problems in the area with former commercial and industrial sites. Um, anyway, uh, I appreciate your patience with this and, um, I think that we can work together to find something that works here. So, um, hopefully we can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Deputy Mayor Bruner, are there any other hands? There are no other hands raised. Okay. Council. Well, 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 oh. <laughs> latecomers. Now there are. Shall I call on them? Andrea Newman. So people need to please state your name and city of residence and limit your comments to five minutes or less. Okay. Hello, my name is Andrea Newman. I live at 601 North 4th Street in Champaign. Um, first of all, I'd like to say, um, I thank the council for having listened to us um, and my neighbors throughout this process. Um, However, I don't, um, I understand this process that Mr. Pincel has been going through is costly and timely. However, the one mistake that Mr. Pincel made, and he continues to talk about the Hill Street group, is that he's talking to a group of people who live a block from the property. He never came and talked to those of us who are adjacent to the property. And therein is the problem. Um, once we found out about it. I mean, so with that being said, I still have, because of that, that is what has left a doubt in my head on what could happen to this property if the zoning has changed to Mr. Fincella is a businessman. And I understand that. Um, if someone were to call him tomorrow, if this zoning changed, and offered him 10 times as much as he spent, he's gonna accept that. And that's a problem. And that's a chance that as a resident directly across the street from that property, I can't take, I cannot take that chance. If this has changed to us, uh, industrial zoning and someone else gets that property from him, especially if they have no connection to our community, we could have a problem that would take decades that to rectify uh, not when I feel that if we were to meet together and other things and proper things that have happened in our community such as the Clarcy area where we can get together and work something out uh, the way Mr. Pincella should have approached it at the beginning um, and even as of today the person who lives closest to the property he has yet to speak to them about it. And that I 
can't see you making a decision on or him even deciding, you know, saying that he spoke to the community when you haven't talked to the person that's closest to the property. There is a person whose back door goes out on that property. He's not spoken a word to them. And I asked her as of today, and she said she still has not talked to him. And I don't think the council can make a decision on this until every person who has an interest or a concern about this property, meaning the citizens that live around it, are talked to by Mr. Fincella in a, con in a constructive way that he truly is offering a chance for us to have input on what happens on that property. We don't want it to stay blank, or, you know, empty. We don't want him to lose a chance to do a project, but we also want input on that project, not for him to just come to you guys, ask to rezone it and do what he wants to do. I don't think that's fair and I don't think we should have to live with it. Uh, again, I thank you for your time. Um, thank you. Yeah, based on what he's doing, like he's making me look that bad. Yeah. Like I have um, Council Member Bruno actually looks frozen to me. Oh, you're not. Okay, <laughs> you can call on the next person. You're muted. Nick Meister. Hi, um, I have a clarifying question. Um, I'd like to know um, if there are any intentions or uh, what potential intentions of uh, the property being used for residential living and um, uh, what the like. So Mr. Mr. Meister, this is an opportunity for um, comment. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to ask questions, but we won't be responding with answers. You have five minutes to make counts, comments to council on the agenda item. So you need to state your name and city of residence, please. And then you may, you have five minutes to speak. I will, uh, I will forego until uh, there are uh, clarifying questions. And it, that we don't, we don't do clarifying questions. That's not how our system works. So you have an opportunity to make a statement. You may include questions in that statement if you wish to, but there will not be a direct response from council unless a council member during council comment chooses to respond. Um, I'm a resident in Champaign um, and um, I had uh, heard during the study session that the likelihood of their uh, being uh, able to be residential living put in the law would be extremely unlikely from an excavating expert. So um, that is what led to uh, the question that I know will, will not be answered, but uh, that um, the question of uh, the likelihood of the plans or intentions of there being residential living in the property. Thank you. And Madam Mayor, the only other person with their hand raised is uh, Phil Fasella, and he's already spoken. Nope, we have another one. Oh, we did for a minute. Ms. Towns, did you want to? Wanda Towns. Hi, hello. My name is Elonda Towns and I live at uh, 401 East Columbia Avenue. Um, 
it is true that um, uh, I have not spoken to uh, Phil, and I, I apologize. I don't know. I, I can't pronounce his last name, so I, I do apologize. Um, but um, I wanted to just um, say that I went around to a couple of my neighborhood, I mean, neighbors who um, are facing or not uh, the, the back, their back doors to uh, this lot. Miss um, Brown, Miss Pelmore, of course, Miss Newman, and then uh, the other young man, uh, he works second shift. And um, so that we can form some type of uh, a group, uh, one to see if possibly we can uh, like put in our input on what can happen to the property. So the grocery store, I, I, I think is a bad idea because it, to me, that's lauder. It, it will cause uh, paper, uh, all of this other stuff. Um, but we would like um, possibly, you know, some ideas that we had were, were a greenhouse, something to do with uh, children could come uh, uh, doing, learning how to plant a, a teaching type thing. Um, where the kids would come and and learn how to plant and then possibly uh, maybe sell the um, vegetables or whatever for some type of you know a profit for the kids um, doing something like that and then landscaping it so that it's pretty and uh, a type of project like that but um, we we're still not you know i'm not for whatever he's wanting to build there um he said a lot of things that are to me that are not true and again like uh, miss newman was saying he's asking questions to people who don't even live in the neighborhood and he has yet to talk to anyone who is butted up against this lot so um i just want to again say that I am uh, totally against it. I, I, again, thank you guys for listening and um, hopefully uh, we could get something, resolve something here soon because I, I just don't want to look outside and see a big um, structure outside metal building of my uh, door. Thank you. Thank you. Deputy Mayor Bruno, is there anyone else? There are no other hands raised. Okay, council comment. Any council members have any comments? All right, will the oh, council member Foreman. Um, okay, so I really, you know, I really appreciate everybody taking the time to kind of extend this out so we can kind of figure out what to do. I, I don't know that anybody's any clearer on um, what should be happening, but I would like to see some kind of compromise where the, it, the lot doesn't revert back to the city and we don't have to go back to an RFP because um, I, I think we all have learned as we uh, listen to staff um, and Mr. Meister, the answer to your question is I believe zero possibility that it could be residential. Habitat didn't want the land. If Habitat don't want something, I feel like everybody should know all they need to know if Habitat is not interested in a property. Um, and so I'm hopeful that some kind of compromise can come from this um, and since residential isn't realistic, 
Um, you know, that's why I suggest it. And I, I'm not a planner, you guys. I'm, I don't know much about stuff like this. So that's why I threw out, you know, maybe the commercial uh, building could be smaller. Maybe it could be behind a privacy fence, um, you know, so that it's not as visible, you know, from, you know, as, you know, the neighbors are saying. But if the neighborhood could be a part of the conversation and help kind of help um, much like the latitude conversation, which I don't think is that big, that big a conversation, but um, I do think that would be important. And I think that the neighbors and um, the applicant are open to doing that. Um, but I just don't know if anybody here is comfortable with rezoning it industrial. I haven't yet gotten that feeling. So it'd be nice to know if any of the council members could kind of let us know, like, you know, were you comfortable with industrial or, you know, is that just a no-go for everybody? Because um, that I never really got, you know, a feeling. Only a couple of you guys kind of said how you felt, but um, I think we all agree residential isn't there, but it, it'd be nice to figure, you know, if we could take like a quick one-on-one -on -one shortcut to zoning and kind of understanding some stuff, that'd be kind of cool. Like one of those schoolhouse rock videos, that'd be kind of helpful. Thank you. That's member stock. I just wanted to thank everyone involved, Mr. Fasella, Ms. Newman, Ms. Towns, and anybody else in the mix um, for taking the time to give for Mr. Fasella for coming up with a plan uh, for people in the neighborhood for taking the time to interact with us for the plan. And I think that this is one of those examples. I think uh, Councilmember Foreman hit it on the head. This is not ever going to be, I, I drove up there yesterday again and walked around the property a little bit. This, no one is ever building a house there ever. So we need to decide and we can't say with a straight face that that's ever going to happen because it's just not. Um, I think we need to decide, are we comfortable with a vacant lot there? Are we comfortable in trying to be, we as a city, um, in trying to be creative and thinking about what we can do with some of these properties? I think this leads us into conversations that we're going to have in the future about development and what development can look like in existing areas and new areas. And I'm glad, I'm glad that we've had this conversation only because I think it's a good opener to future conversations and future types of issues that we really need to think about and look at how we're using our land, how we can deal with infill, how we can do maybe think a little bit more creatively in the past for some of these uh, plots of land that maybe aren't going to work as they are currently zoned. So um, I'm hoping that both the neighborhood, Mr. Fasella, the city, everyone can work together and come up with a plan that will really work for everybody or work mostly for everybody anyway. So thank you all again for being part of the process. Anyone else? Councilmember Foreman? Hear me out. If there's a privacy fence and part of the lot is a garage and the other part is his commercial building, I mean, is that not splitting a baby in half? Okay, I'm done. So um, the, the vote tonight is either up or down on the change in zoning and I think staff has direction if it fails um, to move forward. Will the clerk please call the roll? Member Bruno? No. Foreman? No. Gladney? No. Pianfetti? No. Stock? No. Beck? No. Bricks? No. Mayor Finan? No. Council bill fails eight to zero. Please call the next council bill. House Bill number 2020-112, an ordinance amending sections 12.5-65, 12.5-66, and section 17-2, 17-2, 17-3, 17-4, 17-5, 17-6, 17-7, 17-8, 17-9, 17-10, 17-11, 17-12, 17-13, 17-14, 17-15, 17-16, 17-17,
and 17.73 of the Champaign Municipal Code, 1985 as amended. So moved. Second. Um, I can't read the, <laughs> I can't read it because uh, my, I didn't print out 1212. I might have 1213 in You're muted. Sorry. The introduction to Council Bill 2020-112. The purpose of this Council Bill is to approve modifications to language in the Human Rights Ordinance, City of Champaign Municipal Code, Chapter 17, and the Equal Opportunity in Purchasing Ordinance, Section 12.5, Article 4, to reflect updated language related to gender identity and expression and sexual orientation. Are there any technical questions? Seeing none, is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue? Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised. Is there any council comment? Clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. P. and Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. Council Bill passes 8 to 0. Please call the next bill. Council Bill number 2020 113 a resolution approving the purchase of annual licensing for software maintenance and technical support <clears throat> for a period of five years. So moved. Second. The purpose of this council bill is to authorize the purchase of annual support and maintenance services and annual licensing for Tracket software from Central Square Technologies, LLC, for a five-year term ending July 31st, 2025. The agreement approves an expenditure of $36,562.16 for the current fiscal year, with an annual increase of 5% for the remaining four years, for a total of five-year cost of $202,029.01. Are there any technical questions? Seeing none, is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue? Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised. Are there any council comments? Clerk, please call the roll. Council Member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Ian Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Briggs? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, Council passes eight to zero. Please call the next bill. Council bill number 2020-114, an ordinance approving emergency orders and extending Council bill 2020-22 relating to the COVID-19 emergency. So moved. Second. This council bill will approve the continuation of Council bill 2020-22 an ordinance related to emergency created by the COVID impact, 
COVID-19 virus as modified by the new extension ordinance until the special regular council meeting on November 10th, 2020, unless it is amended or repealed by the city council before that date. The council bill would also approve the continuance of 16 emergency orders of which three have been issued by the city manager. Are there any technical questions? Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address these issues? Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised. Are there any council comments? Clerk, please call the roll. Council Member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. P. and Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. Council passes eight to zero. Council member Stock. Madam Mayor, I move that we consolidate council bills 2020-115 and 2020-116. Second. Is there any discussion? Clerk, please call the roll on consolidation. Council member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Fianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. Please call both bills. Council number 2020-115, a resolution authorizing the city manager to execute an intergovernmental agreement for animal control services. Council bill number 2020-116, a resolution authorizing the city manager to execute an intergovernmental agreement for animal impoundment services. And I would note the consolidation passed. The purpose of these council bills is to authorize the city manager to execute intergovernmental agreements with Champaign County for animal control and animal impound services. The amount proposed for animal control services is $128,700 and the cost for animal impoundment services is $83,847 for a total of $212,547 with increases in additional years to be determined by property tax extension limitation law, PTEL, consumer price index rate. Are there any technical questions? Councilmember Stock. This may be outside of the realm of the police department. It may be a finance question. Do we, um, do we, so we're paying out X number of dollars for the services. Do we get some of that back by fines and fees and so on and so forth? Yes, I believe that's correct. I don't have an exact number, but I do believe that there are fines and fees levied in court proceedings that can come back to the city. Okay. I just wonder how they balance out. Um, and then when those, and again, Deputy Chief Schaefer, this may not be your question to answer, although you're happy to, more than happy to. Um, welcome to. Um, do Does the animal control, does the county get some of those fees? In other words, how do we divide up? And I'm asking this because I've had constituents have, that have had some issues with dog related sorts of things that have contacted me. So I didn't know exactly how the fees worked and if we, got all the fees that are involved or if those are split between the counties since they're the ones that are enforcing our ordinances the dog tag fees go to the county i just know that because i was a county board member we set the county fees is that your question more, but, 
No, because we're talking about animal control. So we're talking about if a dog is impounded or, you know, a person is given a citation for a dog not on a leash or those kinds of types of things. Yeah, I think depending on the resolution of a court case, the the uh, the court can dictate certain fees that have been allocated. I know that the city of Champaign receives, you know, fines back uh, to, to the city. And I was assuming that the county also is reimbursed for some uh, of their expenses as well. Okay. And then last question, totally. And this is about enforcement. Do, does the, does animal control take photo evidence? The issue that I've had people complain to me about is a neighbor doesn't like another neighbor. A neighbor takes a picture of the dog not on a leash. And then when animal control shows up three hours later, they show them a picture and say, look, the dog wasn't on a leash, which I don't know that, do we do that with any other ordinance? If I'm, if somebody's smoking cannabis walking down the street and I snap a picture of them and the officer doesn't come for two hours and I show them a picture, are we using that as evidence in that case too? Well, I, I can't speak to to the use of, of photographic evidence by the county animal control. I, I, I would assume that in certain circumstances, there's probably some appropriateness to that, but I can't speak to the frequency of which they do that. Right. This is Jennifer Bannon. I could speak to this just in terms of prosecuting the cases. Um, the city prosecutes dog-related cases or animal control-related cases, and we do use photographs as evidence in um, bench trials, for example, if they can, if we can, um, if we can establish foundation. So just the same as in any other evidence in a court case, if we can have a witness that can establish when they took it, that they took it, um, then we we could use that in a court case. Do we do that in other cases too, or is that a more animal specific scenario? For no, we would do it in, yeah, we could do that in other cases as well. I mean, property damage would be another example. Um, if someone keyed a car and an individual took photographs of it and, and gave those to us, then we could use those in the city court case as well, as long as we can establish who took them and what the foundation is. That's okay. photographic evidence is actually pretty common in, in various criminal and ordinance cases. What I needed to know. Thank you. Any other technical? Councilmember Bruno? I was just going to add, of course, photographic evidence is also used in everything from shoplifting to driving under the influence. It's a pretty con, but somebody has to say that this truly and accurately depicts something that they saw with their eyeballs. Councilmember Foreman? This is technical questions. Yes. I'll wait to comment. Anyone else? I do have a technical question and um, Deputy Chief, I'm not, I'm not even sure it's one that can be answered. It may be one that has to go to animal control, but I had a constituent actually reach out last night to ask me a question about our contract. And I, I told her that, hey, would you believe it's gonna be on our agenda tonight? Um, and the question was about the division of jobs between Champaign police and animal control. And in this particular case, um, there was an animal who was found deceased in a carrier on private property. And I believe Champaign police told her, told the person who found it um, that they would not go onto the private property to do anything with that. And that the person had to call animal control in the morning to to handle it and I guess my question is where do those lines between is it an animal control issue or a police issue how do how do we deal with that 
I think we try and be responsive to, to a citizen's request. And often it's not uncommon for the police to show up on an animal control call in conjunction with uh, animal control to maintain a level of security and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's usually a case by case basis, but in circumstances where we can kind of maintain the peace so that animal control can, can handle the, the incident with regard to a particular animal, that's, that's fine. If it's after hours, we often make an assessment as to whether animal control is needed. And then we have a way to reach them after hours as if they were on call. So I think to your question, Madam Mayor, is that it's a case by case basis. And, and it's, um, if the officer's unsure, we have a supervisor that can be contacted who can make those assessments um, and try and um, guide the course of action in the right direction, if you will. If we see, or if we're, um, if there's alleged abuse going on, but we can't get in touch with animal control, does Champaign police then intervene or do they, you know, say we have to wait for animal control to be present? We have the option, I mean, where we can investigate that, yeah, and then we can follow up with animal control um, either at a, at a different time in that evening or we can take um, the appropriate action through city ordinance violations as well. Okay, thank you. Are there any other technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this issue? Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised. Are there any council comments? Council Member Foreman, you had your hand up for comments. Okay, so here's my concern about, at least in my experience in my neighborhood with the dog cases. Um, when you call the dispatcher, you call 911 while you're standing on top of a car, um, they tell you it would be really helpful if you already had a video of the dog chasing you or the dog attacking the child, um, and they do nothing. The dog has to bite someone, it has to do something, and if you don't got it on video, they let the dog stay with the person. So I know what city attorney said, but the city attorney Fred said and backed the people up saying, you know, if the dog hasn't bitten or there isn't a uh, habitual, that's the word they like to use, you have to be a habitual offender. Um, that's the problem with those dog cases. Now, this isn't a CPD thing. I think it's dispatch. And when you call for animal control, that's what they're telling people. So I know that that's been a frustration and I've gotten tons of, you know, I've seen it with my own eyes that it's an issue. How to handle that, um, I don't know, but I just, I know it's an issue. Any other council comment? I, I do think in in my case that I was um, referencing, it may have been a dispatch issue as well, where, where dispatch said that there, an officer wouldn't be sent. Um, so maybe that's something that you guys can look into, um, Deputy Chief, just to kind of see what the protocols are and make sure everybody's on the same page. Sure, I can follow up with that for you. Thank you. Um, all right, will the clerk please call the roll? Council Member Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, both council bills uh, pass eight to zero. We are now at the point of our meeting for general audience participation. If you wish to address the council, please raise your hand. You will be unmuted by Deputy Mayor Bruno. You will have five minutes to speak. Please um, 
state your name and city of residence. I will give you a visual two-minute two warning sign and then a one-minute warning sign. Deputy Mayor, you are muted. I'll call on Brian Dunn. Hey, hello everybody. My name is Brian Dunn. I'm from Champaign, Illinois. The listening sessions have been an illuminating experience for myself. Some suggestions I've noticed weave their way through multiple discussions so far include an audit of current police activities, regularly revisiting policy to recognize and address any desperate impact, doing away with cash bail. Uh, pretty much everyone, including Chief Cobb, are looking for more mental health services, including a rapid response team and more accessible treatment. Um, using notices to appear in court over incarceration, uh, various ways to reorganize responsibility and staffing of the police department to save costs, and probably most importantly that uh, money saved from reducing the size and scope of the police departments must be reinvested into community-based services that are better suited to respond to actual community needs. And that last part is actually a direct quote from community member Rita Connerly. Um, yeah, so those have all been great. I know that you all have been uh, listening to those, participating in those. Um, something that stuck out to me from the last meeting is this quote from Emily Rodriguez. You know, I'm a multimedia guy, so I'm going to play that right now for you. I also want to note here um, that although it's the police chiefs and the deputy police chiefs that are on the screen here, um, I want to make sure that we're really keeping some of that weight um, of responsibility focused on the city council. Um, they really need to be at the front of this conversation and leading it, and we haven't seen that yet. Um, so um, the Citizen Police Review Subcommittee's recommendations, for example, for 2020, made specific asks of the City Council. Um, it's just important to note that Chief Cobb is employed by the city, um, and if they act, uh, like he responds to their, uh, to their direction. So even though I just I want to emphasize here, even though it's them on the screen, um, we really need to be pushing our City Council to do more on this conversation. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so, you know, while the police kind of get all the hate and while Chief Cobb, you know, kind of has to take a brunt of a lot of the, you know, I'll just say abuse, um, it really comes down to city council and the decisions that y'all are making, um, the policy that you guys inherited. Uh, like this isn't a, a, a something that started with the police that killed George Floyd. Um, Tom Moore, uh, during one of the discussions, mentioned that he has seven decades of experience with the term police brutality. So this is an issue older than any of us, and it's an issue that I'm very interested in what city council plans on actually doing to address the root systematic causes that result in this boiling over every few years. Um, and I don't really want to see us turn into one of these communities that literally got burned down because these problems were allowed to pile up. Um, that would just be a tragedy and one that we can work to avoid right now. So yeah, I'm just excited to see what kind of work there is to be done. Thank you. There are no other hands raised, Madam Mayor. Oops, there's a late one. Rita Connerly. Good evening, Council. Can you hear me? Yes, please state your name and the city of residence. 
Yes, hear ye, the city of Champaign. My name is Rita Connerly, and as a born and raised citizen of this city, I couldn't be more disappointed in the conduct of the city's officials and staff. As you know, there have been several discussions about a pop-up pantry that has been a service to our most vulnerable population of people. Just today, I received an email in appreciation of the free food available to them as they stated that they were able to put something on their stomachs. And you, instead of contributing to the needs of the people, you criticize and threaten to remove and to destroy what has been found as a resource. To be a disservice to our people is unethical. And to, and to think you are busy passing emails about the cost of sidewalk chop versus how to meet the growing hunger needs of our community is blatantly disrespectful. <clears throat> I'm sure as you wear your three-piece suits and designer shoes upward of $200, it says a lot about how you feel about caring for our community and the vulnerable populations in this community. I am truly disgraced at the unprofessional bias and prejudice behavior that this city put on by presenting us with middlemen that are the same shade as I. Your intent was to smooth the surface by making an asinine assumption that we would bow down and accept whatever was handed to us by the middleman. It is your white fragility, which was present and blatantly noted through this action. Not only should you be embarrassed, this is yet an, another form of unethical behavior in your ability to relate to people of color and to have a sensitivity towards vulnerable populations. Moving forward, I would highly recommend that decision makers be brought to the table to discussions and identify a plan to address our requests versus making futile attempts by having a go-between that could possibly send the incorrect message. Speaking of distasteful and unethical, the state's attorney, Julia Reese, is a poor, dishonorable employee who lacks the quality of a civil servant here to protect and guide our community as a whole. Her failure to be transparent and to ensure her constituents are aware of involvement in interviews that should allow citizens of this community to ask questions and to receive an appropriate response speaks volumes about her contribution to the systemic racism we have been fighting against for far too long. How is it that someone of her status does not see herself as a servant to the community, nor has the ability to lead for systemic change across our community? And if you don't understand what I mean by whole, I mean the inclusion of black and brown people. For nearly 16 years, you have allowed an inept, an inept individual to occupy a role that should be making a difference by offering more alternatives than to just jailing black boys. How is it that her husband, a Caucasian man, could get away with and no charges for losing a loaded firearm, which created more danger in our community, yet we see her being harsher to people of color? Another unethical practice witnessed by your council is for you, Mr. Kyle, to sit on this council and to serve as the president of the Black Chamber of Commerce. Not only does it represent a conflict of interest, you have shown that you do not have our best interests at heart. Your actions are not only unprofessional, but it creates barriers towards improvement, growth, and the development of black and brown businesses. You have come across as whitewash and your sole representation of white fragility. As a black member of this community and as a black man in this community, you should be embarrassed. You have failed to uplift, provide and allow businesses of color to flourish, resulting in things such as BCC discrediting Ms. Madison in her work to build up black businesses. As an African-American male on this council, 
you should be providing leadership, consultation, and direction to those on this council to how best meet the needs of our community. I received your message too. I'd like to know what's on its agenda, because if you are going to be another middleman, we need no further attempts in futility. It, ama it is amazing to me how unethical this council is. Is this truly the reflection of our community? I would think this council is here to help promote, develop, inspire, and create more opportunities to assist black and brown people within our community. This is what Hidden Homeboy, Naturopath Nutrition, CCR, and other organizations have role modeled for you. We have made every attempt to exemplify, diversify, and be inclusive, inclusive to model what the multicultural experience should look like. I wanna thank you for allowing me to speak tonight and hope that your consideration will be given to myself and other community leaders taking charge in the development of champagne that reflects this multiculturalism. Thank you. Uh, I'll call on Justin Hendricks. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Michael Hendricks, Champaign-Urbana resident, Parkland College student, creator of Hidden Homeboy. I open my time with saying I'm not the one for games. However, please note when I do, it's always chess, not checkers. And what you have witnessed in regards to the food pantry is a move called Checkmate. Now, moving forward, Joan Walls, Dorothy David, Tim Spears, please let me know when this gathering is, as I'm always one for girl talk, especially when lunch is involved or you thought I wouldn't get those documents for you or no. That's very becoming of people who sit in positions yet acting unethical. I'm never one to hide my hands and neither should you all, as I have mentioned. I certainly hope that bark and bite match up accordingly to those emails I have read. Also, I must state how bothered I was to meet with a bunch of faces that mirror mine, mirror my own as a game of telephone, which I don't have time for. And no, it wasn't the NAACP, it wasn't the Urban League or the Black Chamber of Commerce or the state reps. They're still in hiding. I guess the summer was only for photo ops. Julia Reitz and Brian Barnhart, you have my facts by tweet, DM, and email. And unpack those questions you felt that were loaded, yet factual on racial bias in schools, especially in the city she resides over. Did you block me, sis, like Deb did from Facebook tagging and things? They're facts, not feelings. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. You better yet play with your children, phone apps, or house pets because the people's mayor ain't one, nor will I refuse my community to be treated as number two. CPD, you have my engagement letter. It's been over a week and I'm still waiting for a meeting at the table. I'm tired of calling in to speak with you all. Would you be great of use for RT Finney to make change and do narrative work? I'm pretty sure he can use use of his retirement. Mary, with all the racist writing you're producing, I think you'll start a writing club at least or use your time to find that lost gun. I need all council members and mayor to denounce white, premise, white supremacy as black and brown lives are not a political movement, but backing the blue and not wearing masks are. In closing, be ready and watch out for tomorrow as I'll be announcing the Hidden Homeboy National Coming Out Day celebration for this Sunday, October 11th, outside the former C Street. It's about paying homage to our historians, celebrating those who are here presently, and welcoming our new lives to a homecoming celebration. Thank you, take care, and goodbye. I'm gonna call on Bo Barber. 
Can you hear me? Yes. State your name and city of residence, please. Hi, I'm Bo Barber. I am from the village of Ogden, Illinois. Um, so kind of like an, I guess, I'm not one for good storytelling, but I guess basically what happened recently in the city south of us, Decatur, was they voted to stop municipal at municipal water shutoffs. Now, companies like Ameren can still shut off electric and gas, but you know this is this is a great step in the right direction. Now, granted, Decatur is a different situation. It's municipal administered water. Um, services, unlike here, where most people, I presume, are using American, um, I think that's the name, American water. Um, but it kind of just goes to show is like the government of Decatur, which the people of Decatur and most people around everywhere else would tell you is one of the most corrupt governments in the state, was able to pass something, you know, that substantially helped the people of Decatur. They stop municipal water shutoffs during a pandemic. Um, you know, and I applaud some of the work that you've done and pointed to towards already about ways that people can avoid getting their um, utilities shut off. I just, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm tired and I wasn't really prepared to speak, but I just wanted to make sure that it's known that, you know, there's gotta be, you gotta always be trying to find ways to help the most vulnerable people in our community not get their power shut off like because Ameren, illinois like straight up like they made a d they what it was um the thing with the illinois commerce commission they agreed with it literally the day before they said they were going to start shutoffs on september 30th i believe it was um saying that they would you know um agree to a volunteer moratorium volunteer moratorium you know, with the added caveat of like a lot of technicalities so they could still kind of, you know, pull one over on people. Yet even then, Ameren, Illinois was still shutting people's gas, was shutting people's gas and electric utilities off even after this. They broke this agreement. Um, I, I, I've joined with other activists um, who work in, well, who volunteer in the, the No Ameren Shutoffs campaign calling out the governor, talking to re talking to my representatives, talking to everybody and anybody I can, trying to make sure that, you know, this doesn't, th this doesn't happen. This can happen. People will die if this happens. Um, and the governor, governor came out recently and just straight up lied on Twitter saying that, you know, I did everything in my power. He didn't. That's not true. He can still do a lot to help people and he refuses to. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What I ask of many of you is to put pressure on the governor, write to him, tweet at him, email him, call him, send, send it by, you know, Pony Express or, you know, uh, Pigeon. But, like, you, we need to do whatever we can to try and stop this crisis from happening. So you, you, you are people in power. If you, talk, if you pressure him, you know, you may think you're just some, like, you know, city council, but, we're, you know, we're a major city in this state where the university of illinois banned champagne you know any pressure you can put on him is pressure that's going to help people is is going to be something that helps people not get the utilities shut off in a pandemic but i also just want to commend um the fact that you know i still don't i'm still frustrated with y'all for some of the things um tim spears well he's not in a unionized position i just 
I'll put that out there. Do what you want with that information. But, you know, the pre previous time I, I remember hearing Tim Spears' name was when they took the furniture away from the homeless who lived under that, like, uh, the train over, uh, what was it, the, the little overpass that's just down the ways from the government building. I still remember that. And then we had to do all this stuff to try and get, you know, Alan Outsor had to do all this stuff to try and get uh, porta potty set up for them. But you know, that's neither here nor there. 30 seconds. But I do want to say I commend y'all for not trying to censor our speech like Urbana City Council does. I'll give credit where credit is due. Unlike, you know, unlike Urbana City Council, you let us air our grievances and you don't try and come at us saying that, you know, you can't say stuff like, you know, you can't you can't express your grievances to this council. It makes us feel bad. It makes us feel like we have to be held accountable. I will say that, you know, you respond, you respond to you respond to us. And though we don't may agree, I do appreciate the fact that you don't try and censor us. Mr. Thank Barber, you. you're at five minutes. Did you want did you want to finish your thought or are you done? He's muted. He muted himself. Oh, I'm okay. I'm done. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. Is there anyone Barbara, else? There are no other hands raised. Are there any council comments? Councilmember Beck. Um, I just wanted to uh, announce, I, I've already contacted many of my constituents in my neighborhood, uh, in my district rather regarding this, but um, I have uh, scheduled a couple opportunities for people to do video meetings with me if they so choose over Zoom. Um, it is an appointment uh, kind of scenario so that you can make an appointment with me and, um, and, uh, and, and uh, Zoom in with me. And those are on Thursday, October 15th and on Saturday, October 17th. And um, the times are actually uh, on a sign up online and you can reach that by going to tinyurl.com slash Y3NCPLRY. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash Y3NCPLRY. And if you're not able to figure that out or you need more information about it, you can always email me at alicia.beck at champagneil.gov. Um, and if those times don't work for you and you have things that you want to discuss with me, I'm always happy to set up another appointment outside of those hours, but wanted to make sort of some chunks of time where people had the opportunity to reach me when they knew that I would be available. So um, if you wish to do so, please do uh, make an appointment and um, be happy to talk with anybody about any concerns you have. I, um, We've made clear, I think, over the past several months that the way our process works is we have audience participation and then once we go to council comment, we don't hear any audience participation. This Zoom format, however, makes it hard. Sometimes people raise their hands and it sort of comes in as we've started council comment. That's what's happened tonight. We do have one person who has raised their hand. If council wants to hear that, we just need a motion to, um, I, I think we just suspend our rules and allow for that discussion, but I would need a council member to do that. And I would like it, we'd probably limit it to just the person who has their hand up. 
Any council members who want to make that motion? Madam Mayor, our motion that we allow the one comment. Is there a second? Second. Will clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, um, Mr. Pratt, I believe Mr. Bruno will unmute you. Mr. Pratt is on. State your name and city residence. My name is Eddie Pratt Jr. I am a resident of Champaign and I do have a couple of grievances. <clears throat> so one is uh, bigger than the other. So I'll start with the smaller one. Now, and this may sound arbitrary, maybe someone can answer my question after this meeting has adjourned, but, uh, and this, this is gonna sound really arbitrary, but I'm wondering where do Champaign police patrol cars get their car washed? The reason why I'm asking this is because, uh, in, in the time that I've traveled and been to other places, I've noticed that uh, police cars are usually washed at the station, be it by uh, inmate trustees or some sort of inmate uh, worker program. Now, uh, there's a, a particular individual in the community who is an activist in which uh, has done a few videos in which he uh, carelessly showed his place of work being a car wash. Since then, a couple of patrol cars have came through there, not with the actual intent of actually getting their car washed, though that they apparently, according to this individual, came through there. But it seems apparent to me that what this activist had been saying in the community against the police, that these police officers felt the need to try to intimidate this individual with their presence. Now, if you, if, you know, you, you, your city's uh, patrol cars are washed publicly, commercially at different uh, businesses, then I suppose it's a non-issue and I can relay that to that person. But otherwise it seems extremely prob problematic to be allowing uh, police officers to intimidate uh, residents of the community. The second is something that is probably a long time coming. Uh, I'll give the synopsis of the situation. So back in 2012, there was a uh, really high profile case and I'm pretty sure everyone here is familiar with it. The Trayvon Martin murder case in which the medical examiner by the name of Dr. Shipping Bao, uh, he, his testimony is what led to Zimmerman getting off on a self-defense plea. Now there's other details that go along with it, but that in itself is problematic, but where Champaign County and Champaign the city comes in is two years after the fact, barely two years after the fact, he has an office 
in this city and in Urbana and has already been in the same capacity for what he's he from for the same position that he was fired for in Florida. And somehow something so high profile flies under the radar. And it's not as if this was a couple months ago. He's been here since 2015, apparently. I'm wondering why this wasn't made public knowledge. There's a lot more to him as a person and as uh, a professional that would lead me to believe that even as, as a purely business venture would be extremely problematic at the least for anyone to want to undertake. Given the gravity of that case and its outcome, for people of color, specifically for black people, black and brown people, this is a potentially dangerous situation. I look forward to seeing exactly what it is that Champaign as a city entity is going to do now that the public is aware of it. I've been here since 2014. And then at no point in time did I did I know of this until a couple of weeks ago. 30 seconds. So my hope is is that you guys do the, the proper digging before anyone else were to come to some conclusion and find out for themselves because this is uh this is a, a stab in the back to your black community and can lead to some extremely unwanted results i yield the rest of my time thank you we're back now to council comments is there anyone else who wishes to make a comment Okay. Um, I did want to change topics and talk about Region 6. I think it's important for the public to understand that although Champaign County is sitting at about a 0.6 positivity rate, that we are part of a larger region that is teetering on about 7.4. If our region hits 8% positivity, um, the governor and Illinois Department of Public Health have said that they will impose mitigation measures. Um, the first tier of mitigation measures usually means that bars and restaurants cannot have any indoor service at all. Um, and the irony with all of this is that um, the governor's office and IDPH are taking out all of Champaign County's numbers when they evaluate our region. So the fact that our county is doing so well, that our citizens are wearing masks and social distancing and hand washing, and we have a, a public health regimen that includes testing and quarantining and isolation, including I learned that our marketplace site has had over 65,000 tests. Um, we've had about 700 tests this week already. Um, and so it's not just the U of I testing, but the fact that we have testing widely available in our community. We also have it at Carl and OSF. 
um, that is not being taken into account. It's being taken out of the region's numbers. Um, so our low rates um, aren't there to help drive the numbers down. And then when they look at mitigation, even though our rates are low, they're going to impose mitigation on Champaign County as well. I have reached out to the governor's office, to IDPH and to any contacts I have in Springfield, um, including our state representatives and senators who have been helping to work on this issue for us. But I encourage any members of the public who are interested to please reach out. Um, it's very important. We really need to be a health innovation district here. We need to be separate from the rest of Region 6, just like Cook County, Chicago is out in their own region. What we are doing here is really a blueprint for what could happen nationally. We welcomed 35,000 students to our community, and yet our positivity rate remains at 0.6. We, we are a blueprint for how to do this right for the nation, and we need the state to recognize that rather than to punish our area. So I'm appealing to everybody to reach out, use your voices. Um, we need to get active because it would be a shame and it would be horrible for our bars and restaurants who some of them even shut down voluntarily, but the ones on, in Campus Town have been shut down even longer um, trying to keep our positivity rates low and to keep the university open. They have done everything we've asked and we need to step up and help them. Uh, with that, city manager, do you have any comments? Thank you, your honor. I just want to mention that we still have two police listening sessions um, left on the schedule. I wanna thank all of the members of the community who have either made comments or attended and participated by actively listening. The sessions have been very helpful and we encourage members of the public to continue to participate in our next two events. The next one will be Friday, October 9th from one to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And then next Tuesday night, October 13th, we have canceled the city council study session to have a listening session from 6 to 8 p.m. that evening. And that is all for me tonight, Your Honor. Thank you. Vouchers. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the vendor payments in the amount of $3,444,505.41. Second. Will clerk, is there any discussion? Will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. The um, payment is approved. Please, um, Councilmember Bruno, continue. Uh, Madam Mayor, I move that we approve two payrolls, the payroll of September 11th, 2020, in the amount of $854,191.02, and the payroll of September 18th, 2020, in the amount of $1,914,901.22. Second. Is there any discussion? Clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Bruno. Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? 
Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. Both of those items pass. Councilmember Stock? Oops. Madam Mayor, I move that we adjourn. Nope, 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 nope. nope. We still have one more? Yep. Okay. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the investments of September 27, nope. 2020, in the amount of 240000 uh, Second. All right. Are there? Is there any discussion? Will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. P. and Fetty? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. That item is also approved. Now, Councilmember Stock. Sure. We're, we're good this time. We are. I move we adjourn. Second. Is there any discussion? Clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Briggs? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, we are adjourned. Thank you all.